2: Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick.
0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans. We are headed to Wembley, and in case you missed it, gentlemen we're gonna go to another cup final not one of antonio conte's specialties we know he's kind of got a bad rap for that nick but nonetheless didn't really make it easy work but we got through it to nothing over saints fa cup final i mean is that i mean that's really the last thing we have to play for maybe we can sneak into fourth but at least we didn't mess this one up it's true uh
2: it it was a uh an interesting second half to say the least but uh but we're through to the final and. an old nemesis awaits, so it should be uh, should be good fun. If you're uh, if you're here to go to a cup final, stomp your feet. Oh no, 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 no! We're not doing we're not doing that. No, no, no. If, if you want to dance referencing, <laughs> you should go check out the Manchester City. Was it the title celebration video, Dan? It, yeah, it's I terrible. Mean,
1: it... There's some Middle Eastern cable company's way of celebrating Manchester City's victory, and uh, all credit to them for having played (laughs) exceptional football the entirety of the season uh, and playing it extremely poorly from advertising their success um, in this partnership. But uh, there's lots of drums, there's there's clapping, there's shouting hooray, And it is ultra cringeworthy. So if you're looking for an additional laugh this week, I recommend checking it out. There's there's going to be an FA rule next year that says if you
2: produce a video of this quality that you will be deducted 20 points in the table and uh, and potentially lose all rights to your title. So, um, yeah,
0: it's horrible. Back yeah. to you, Brandon. The fact that Man City were complicit in that just blows my mind, honestly. <laughs> like, they do so many things it, it, well. And it that does is look not like if you look
1: into Aguero's <laughs> eyes during it, that you just see his soul dying. And uh, it, it does bring me a little joy, not gonna lie.
2: I, I wanna know, like, so I, I work in advertising, and I wanna know that, like, the director and the producer of this, if they were just like, oh yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> like, this is good. Everyone's clapping and stomping. This is excellent.
0: It's one of those songs that gets stuck in your head and never leaves. Um, All right. Well, anyways, we did have a couple more iTunes reviews, Dan. So thanks for them, right? Just, you know, some people doing good deeds.
1: Yeah, drop it five stars. But, you know, these are the people that don't need recognition. You know, they didn't actually leave a text-based review. They just dropped five stars and kind of carried on with their day, which you know, we, we, uh, we're we thankful to those nameless heroes. So, thank you very much for that. And, again, if you leave a little iTunes review and you want to get a shout-out, don't have to, but if you want to, just drop a little iTunes review between now and the next podcast versus Swansea, and we'll give you some love at the beginning of the show. Oh,
0: absolutely. It, not on um, the heroes we're were capes, This so. week, but... Uh... <laughs> all right uh nick though uh chelsea, new kits will be getting released very soon obviously we have a connection on how to get them
2: correct uh just spoke with our friends at, at world soccer shop this week um so you know we're anticipating uh, in the next few weeks that the uh the new chelsea kits uh, will be released uh we will have access uh to a few perhaps for some sort of uh fun thing. so uh, stay tuned on our social media for all of that stuff. Go to worldsoccershop.com uh and uh, and grab yourself
0: one and, and support our show. We'd love it. Thank you. All right. Well, as you all are here for, it is the Southampton match review. We're in the FA Cup semifinals today. Uh, it was this Sunday, April twenty second, uh, playing at Wembley. Uh, not, not apparently not the favorable home of one Tottenham Hotspur, if I might add. You know, because I can. It's it's funny. We like to laugh. Chelsea won 2-0. Dan, though, lineups. Obviously, only a few days rest. Conte always talks about it. I don't know if players can recover. Yada, yada. Rested some people in the midweek match against Burnley. How did we line up?
1: It wasn't the lineup I think a lot of people expected. And we saw Caballero as Cahill back in the center and wearing the armband next to Rudiger. Then we saw the Moses, Conte, Fabregas, Emerson getting two appearances in a short window of time. Speaking to maybe how well he performed, and then we saw William, Drew and Hazard in the uh, the front of that three-four-three uh, three kind of formation. Uh, Eduardo makes the bench along with Christiansen, Zabaleta, Bakayoko, Barkley, Pedro, and Morata. So uh, clearly, uh, as we did talk about last week. If you're looking to see the DuJon Sterling, Callum Hudson-Odoi show, uh, you probably should be looking to the last couple youth matches and not to any of our remaining matches at present. And I think the biggest shock here, Nick, was that Emerson locks down a place in the absence of Alonzo, who's uh, enjoying a little bit of vacation time thanks to the, uh, the FA. So we're
2: calling a vacation time now? Uh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so I think I think of these you know recent changes, and, and even looking back to Thursday uh, against Burnley, uh, Emerson was the guy that we were hoping to see. Uh, he hadn't started uh, a match since earlier in the FA Cup rounds, and so it was nice to see him start a league game on on Thursday. Thought he performed admirably, uh, and then uh, a quick turnaround. I mean, only a couple of days to to the FA Cup semi, and. Uh, I thought he played well again. I mean, this is a a guy who's coming off of a pretty significant injury, and I think has uh, I think the the training staff at Chelsea should be uh, given some credit for for working him back into full fitness and uh, for the ability to play, you know basically ninety minutes
0: uh, in the span of
2: four days, twice is is impressive.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely dig in more on Palmieri. Uh, you know, obviously is a uh, you know getting some minutes lately. Interesting, though, like you said, Zapacasa left on the bench. Um, you know, Moses coming in, which will be kind of interesting to see how that plays out the rest of the season. Um, anyways, uh, from a goal standpoint, uh, we had a couple, which is awesome. Uh, more exciting, we had a clean sheet. Rather questionable that we kept that clean sheet. <laughs> uh, uh, is uh, Slippery Hands but, Caballero. But what, yeah, whatever could you be referring to, Brandon? I My word. I don't, just, I don't get it. Could, could not believe that he tried to catch that on his goal line. You just, you punch that out. Anyways, uh, Giroud in the 46th minute. So obviously it was the second half for us is when Chelsea turned it on. Uh, but anyways, Dan, that's right. The, the you know Frenchman can, getting in the start uh, with William Hazard behind him. And uh, he looked well today. Got his goal.
1: Yeah, and uh, credit to two former Arsenal players in the build-up and execution of that goal. Cesc with his long bomb forward to Hazard. Hazard kind of holds up the ball just enough to dish it to Giroud, who manages to tiptoe around, maybe lose his balance, but keep it just enough to kind of toe-poke it in at the end there. And it really exactly what we needed to see after starting the first half in kind of a sleepwalk state i mean i don't know about you nick i kind of needed a a mid-match espresso to get me back in fine form and and drew was the individual to kind of spark that for this team
2: yeah the first half i mean we can just be honest about it was a snooze um it it wasn't It wasn't like Chelsea were playing poorly. There there just didn't seem to be the energy or the spark that you would have assumed an FA Cup final or FA Cup semifinal to have. Uh, So we're going to fast forward through the first half because there's really nothing of note besides, uh, you know, a couple of uh, decent chances from William Hazard. Uh, This uh, Giroud's goal was pure class. I mean, especially on the there's four different replays that Fox was showing of him dribbling through very delicately to to put this in uh, i thought it was an incredible balance and technique from a big man and certainly was the spark that chelsea needed out of the locker room
0: brandon a 100 percent, and then came the 82nd minute um murata came on for drew later in the match and he got his goal Nick, it was kind of interesting. I guess I didn't even realize how much the fans had been hating on Murata for missing his one-on-one slash having it saved in the Burnley match. It was an it was its own Twitter moment for me in the app. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was very, very good for Murata. He actually had
2: a few more chances after, um, after this goal, too, that, that he could have put in, if not for some heroic blocks, but... Uh, a really good cross uh, leads into uh, his trademark header um, at the near post, and certainly uh, fooled the goalkeeper. It looked like Brandon, who got caught kind of flat-footed, uh, thought it might be going wide. I think. Yeah,
0: you know, just uh, you know, sometimes... it wasn't a hard header. You know, it was
2: like kind of dug into the ground.
0: Yeah, sometimes you have your weight going one way, you can't get back the other. Sometimes you just like i've had it before where you're like oh yeah that's definitely going wide and then it goes in the back of the net and you feel really stupid um but you know i was never at the same level as uh as mccarthy was so i'll let him figure uh, that don't,
1: out don't don't sell yourself short
0: yeah you? I'm just a, way short you
1: know brad, brad guzan was the only one standing in your way
0: <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> everyone's
2: um, equal in the goalkeeper season right
0: yeah ex- yeah well all right um no, but I, I think that, yeah, it was good to see that, uh, you know, both of our strikers getting goals, sharing time, um, you know, obviously with Chelsea having five shots on target, we got two. I was pretty interested. Hazard was pretty lively today, Nick. Obviously, I think that he, I was, was almost a little unfortunate that he didn't get a goal, um, but he definitely brought the shooting boots, which I thought, I don't know. Is this a, is this because it's a, it's a semifinal that he was looking for? Or maybe again, it's back to a mentality shift, but it's just kind of confusing. Like every match, we get a different version of Hazard. And, you know, from fans, we just want to get to a consistent standpoint and knowing what we're going to get from him.
2: I couldn't agree more. I think you, you summed it up really well there. There's, there's a, uh, a weird lack of consistency with his performance that, you know, even looking, you know, back a couple of weeks, you know, we're not getting that. You know, in a big match against Barcelona in the new Camp, you know, he didn't really show up. And then today he was all over it. I mean, dribbling past guys, shooting from distance, which we hadn't seen in a while. Uh, had a couple that were tipped over the bar from the from the goalkeeper McCarthy, which, you know, were, were really steamy shots. They had uh, some, some fire behind him. You know, I, I think this is the version of Hazard that I would pick, if I could pick one. Uh, I, I don't like the passive Hazard. I think he needs to be a goal threat for the for other players to have more space in the box. And so you saw you know, Olivier Giroud today have a little bit more space. You saw Willian kind of overlapping and kind of cutting in from the other side and having a little more space. And uh, Moses and and Palmieri for sure uh, were the beneficiaries of you know Hazard drawing in three guys. Dan. I mean this this was a good version. He probably deserved a goal.
1: I would agree with that 100%. I think we've seen a, a roller coaster for, I mean, all of Chelsea this season, and every player has had uh, ridiculous highs and lows. I think the only player who's been consistent throughout the entirety of the season has been N'Golo Conte. And the hazard that we're seeing right now, if we can see him the remaining several matches, and he, he would be the one to help us push for a, a top four finish if the Spurs um, now bereft of a 10th season without a single trophy victory and a crippling loss to Man United potentially see a downturn in form and some draws and some losses. Uh, he would be the the reason why we would push for uh, a top four finish in the same way that Giroux uh, has just managed to put a stamp on this team. And and I actually think has kind of come in and we've talked a lot this season about leaders and where Chelsea was going to get one. And somehow I think we found the one leader on Arsenal has managed to uh, make his way into the Chelsea locker room. And And that, that to me is one of the more bizarre narratives of this season. Wait,
0: I mean with, with Hazard, honestly, um, I don't think anyone complains when he runs at people. It is just so much fun to watch. Um, we'll just have to kind of see how the rest of the season goes. I, I, you know, I do kind of buy into the the idea that he's kind of saving it for the World Cup. I could see, I could see him being a player like that. I don't know. We'll we'll have to find out. But anyways, let's talk about the strikers. Obviously, Giroud, Morata, they're the two main men up top for Chelsea. They're actually the only two strikers we have on our roster right now because Chelsea are efficient. Why have three when you can only have two? Um, Dan, do you think that? I, Gir- I,
1: I I don't think that's how it
0: works. Yeah. I don't think that's how it works at all. I mean, not not to anyone else in in a top division, but Chelsea is is different, Dan. You know, we're
2: ahead of the game. Exactly, we're ahead of the game, guys. Someday. There are going to be rules that you can't have three strikers on your roster. And we're just preparing ahead of
0: time <laughs> to get there. And so I think it's really important that we do this. This is the now. visionary that, that, you know, we don't grasp as fans. The club is, you know, taking... All right, never mind. I'm kidding. Uh, so Giroud, Dan, um, do you think that... Uh, I think obviously everyone would say that um, he is the man to kind of lead the line the rest of the season. What about next season? Do you think he you know, with his age and with his style and everything, obviously we don't know who the manager will be assuming Conte leaves. I mean, do you think he could be the main striker
1: for an entire season next year? Lead the line through the campaign? We were asked this uh, a couple by a couple of individuals, uh, Steven uh, Vigne uh, on Twitter after the match. And I don't know if I want him being our, our star striker. I mean, I think, you know, you would look to see still about going out and, making a splashy signing and, you know, maybe if you get uh, another kind of sexy striker, you could have the like the three amigos and him, Rata and, and Drew line up and be our, our strike force. So I, I don't know if that's a requirement now for Chelsea strikers, but it might be the, the, the new trend. I think he is done extremely well. I think we have to remember that He's on essentially an 18-month contract, so they'll kind of get him the six months you know, for this season and then the year next year, and then he'd be eligible for an additional one year, year to year, depending upon performance, but he knows the Premier League extremely well. He knows how to pop up and score goals in big moments. He is a, a leader on and off the pitch, and... I think we are extremely lucky that uh, you know Arsenal went after Lacazette and Aubameyang and allowed you know Giroud to make a uh, make an appearance on our side. It uh, it feels like you know good good karma I think Nick in the fact that we gave him check and uh, you know even after that they still were allowing Giroud uh, to make his way to uh, to us.
2: Yeah, I mean I I think there is there's going to be a lot that happens this summer, so I don't want to, I don't want to commit to Drew being our, our striker. What is clear to me right now is that he is providing uh, a piece of his game that, that's hold up play, that's um, leaping ability, that is just strength that we don't have anywhere else. So if that remains the case, and we don't acquire another, you know, kind of I don't know. I, I don't know how to say this, but a, a striker with basically all of the abilities that we need, like a Lewandowski or someone like that, uh, he could very well end up seeing a lot of time next year. Now, I, I think the caveat here, and it's unfortunate that this this happens in sports, but anytime you spend a lot of money on a player, uh, you know the the expectation is that you try and see as much return on investment as possible there. So. You could almost bet that Morata going to get another real go at this thing. And if that's the case, um, you know, you, you'll probably see a Drew super sub uh, or, you know, some sort of pairing up top between the both of them. But I, I think he's better right now. I'm not sure that through an off season, through some acquisitions and uh, through potentially a new manager getting the best out of Morata that he's going to be the, the star guy.
1: Well and, and I think the other thing to consider too is you know for formations might change. You know we are going to have other personnel changes that may or may not impact you know uh, Drew in in Murata. So th- there's like a lot of question marks. I think it, it's healthy to have him on the team and I think you know he will be you know he'll be with Chelsea for you know at least another year. So it, what his role is going to be is going to be the big issue and then I think the, the other question that you hit the the nail on the head on there, Nick, is like what ends up happening to Murata with a a full preseason, now with a a year in the a year in the Premier League, a World Cup with Spain, where maybe he can impress specifically with Costa running into hamstring issues again. And uh, I mean, look, you know, the 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 best thing that we could get out of both of this is that these two individuals continue to push each other to produce at a higher level. And I think you you saw that today when Raza came on, I think he you know stood up a little, a little more. I think he knew the importance of scoring a goal, specifically having gone from being a substitute on pretty much every team that he's kind of been on to coming here with the goal of being the primary striker and then falling back into the substitute option. Uh, clearly he's going to want to push for it and drive for it. And I think we saw that today. And, and Giroud came over here to get a chance to play again because he wasn't uh, really you know, being selected in the same way that he had been in seasons prior. So these two guys playing well, pushing each other to a higher level, the only beneficiary is Chelsea and the on-pitch product.
0: I think that with Giroud, he creates a really good level Uh, kind of of quality player that essentially Murata, whoever else, the youth players, he sets a really good example of, hey, you're going to have to get to a better level than where I'm at to be Chelsea's number one striker. And I think that's a really good situation. Uh, you know, early in the season, essentially, is Morata. Whether or not he's doing well or not. Now we have a new bar set, and we've even seen Morata uh, stay on his feet a little bit more, or you know, try to fight through some things. I, you know, I don't want to discount Morata's uh, back pain that he said he's been playing through. I think that that's completely legit, and it definitely will affect a player. So, you know, my only concern is when is he gonna have time to get healthy with the World Cup this summer? So. Uh, hopefully he yeah. can he can get back and get back to 100 percent and come in fresh and ready uh, for the upcoming season. But, you know, what a great situation to have where you buy uh, a veteran striker who comes in and just raises the levels. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, he's he's in line for captain or anything, but I would say that Giroux has has stepped up in the locker room as, as someone saying, hey, these performances, they're not good enough. West Ham, uh, you know, these born with matches, things like that. I think that he's got a, a good amount of kind of respect in the locker room and, and is somewhat vocal. And I think that, um, you know, as we talked multiple episodes about how we don't have, uh, you know, national team captains, we're, we're struggling for leaders maybe. Um, I think we're getting a really, really good deal out of this Giroux signing personally, both on and off the field. Well, I would quickly say too, I'm going to translate that to on the field. You know,
2: I, I do think it, whether or not, you know, Morata intends to be you know, floppy. I guess would be the word. <laughs> um, I I do think that you know when Giroud takes a few knocks and gets back up and gets on with it and then scores a goal, like he probably inspires more confidence right now um, from the other you know Chelsea players on the pitch than than Morata does, just due to attitude. And I think that is a really important thing. You know, it's. We've talked about, you know, all the stuff that Morata kind of has to get out of his game to be a top-level striker in the Premier League. And I think Giroud is providing a glimpse into what that can look like now. I mean, they have different styles of play, and I think, you know, we have to respect that. But it certainly is interesting to watch because uh, I think there's a confidence being built in Giroud, even if he doesn't score, um, that is, is really important. And, you know, hopefully they can... Uh, push each other to be great. That's the best case scenario.
0: What about Emerson Palmieri? So we've gotten to see 180 minutes of him now. Um, He is dynamic. He is an athlete and he is fast, uh, which those are great characteristics to have, Dan, when you're playing in the wingback position. Um, Yeah, I think that if he got more minutes and kind of more consistency with this team, uh, he could be a really, really good option at left back or left wing back. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, there, there's there's probably the the biggest difference. I think the comparison has been to take the fact that Alonso is on a mandated vacation from the FA, and <laughs> sticking of to course, the story. yeah, the the initial thought was we would see Palmieri for the the ninety minutes against Burnley, and we'd probably see Zapacosta coming at the FA Cup. Semifinal, and I think Conte surprised all of us when that was not the case. I think it excitedly surprised us, uh, unlike some of the other lineup sub, you know, surprises we've seen this season. And he has played extremely well. And I think he, the benefit to him is his, he probably has the versatility to play as a legit left back. Uh, in the way that like Sandro can play in a back four uh, as a left back where Alonso would probably struggle doing that a little bit more I think when he has the freedom to be more of a left wing back which he's going to play a little bit more advanced he's going to have more interchange with with a forward player versus really kind of having to respect his defensive responsibilities at, at a higher level um I think that's where the difference is, because Palmieri has that athleticism, the ability to kind of track back just a little faster, still has a wicked cross. And uh, I think we're just going to need to see how he can do on a free kick now. But, I mean, I I don't... There's so few quality left backs. And I think when you look to say, like, who's going to replace Marcus Alonso, who has performed extremely well, uh, even though we've kind of given him crap for getting shredded occasionally, and, you know, that... Pace is not his, his plus point, right? He is really great with the ball. He's a really great kind of attacking option. Um, he's got some pretty good crosses into the box. Uh, he interchanges well with Hazard. So there's a lot of pluses that Alonzo brings to the table. Uh, I don't think Palmieri just walks in and takes his spot, but I think the fact that you could have rotation, this crazy idea of being able to rotate a squad, what? Nick, is exciting. What?
2: <laughs> don't, don't talk crazy now. Uh... No, I, I agree. I mean, I think that what you get from Emerson is a more traditional left back, you know, flat out. And I think that's, you know, probably alluding to what you were saying earlier, Dan. Uh, this is someone who uh, has played both left wing back and left back in the past, is, is clearly solid defensively, and has all the athleticism that you were referring to. I, I think what it does give Conte and whoever is our next manager. Um, it gives them tactical flexibility even you know you could even see a scenario in like a 433 or a or a 442 where they're both on the pitch right um and i think that's that's kind of interesting to think about because taking what Alonzo has been you know trademarked as and and, and you know he's kind of a, a specialist and he, alonso's a really good footballer very technical and very sound i mean just uh, has has megs for days and and a, a free kick that's otherworldly, but um, you know lacks some of the defensive skills that I think Paul has, and so you've seen you know whoever is playing in that in that left center back role have to do a little less work over the last two games, which is nice. So uh, it's been Rudiger, um, you know, for for a couple of games. So uh, there's a lot of flexibility here. I think it provides uh, Conte with some options. It gives. You know, this mandatory vacation that he's on gives uh, gives Alonso some rest because he's played damn near every minute of the season, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's all good, Brandon. This is a a guy who I'm looking forward to watching grow in that Chelsea shirt.
0: Yeah, shout out to Ad Jared Andre three who actually asked that asked us on Twitter uh, kind of what our thoughts are. But I'm gonna flip it back to you, Jared. Well, I mean, what do you guys think about Emerson? And you know, he's different. Than Alonso, obviously, but it's a good difference, I think. You know, also talking about Marcos Alonso, how crazy is it that he's such a kind of niche or specialty player that if you go to a four at the back, he no longer has a spot. And if you do a four-three three, four-four-two, I think you probably you could get away with him in a four-four-two, but if you did like a four-three-three, he's not an attacking winger either. Like he can play for a very few number of teams in the world. And I think that that's just I don't know, that's just a crazy situation. So depending on, you know, Chelsea's formation and play style next season, he could go from being absolutely crucial for two seasons, playing some of the most minutes out of anyone on the team outside of a goalkeeper to non-existent. And that's just kind of the way that some of these things go. Um, I guess that's kind of... I'm I'm trying to process and think through potential scenarios for next season. Uh, You know, Nick, I just this team is built pretty specifically for antonio conte in this three back slash five back setup um that kind of changing it any kind of big shift or formation change it could be a little bit painful uh maybe in the in the pocketbook yeah. or you know just for some of these players
2: i i would say yes but i also don't think you're necessarily giving alonso enough credit for being uh just a good footballer like in a a 4-3-3 formation I could easily see him slotting into the midfield Um, you know Conte as a holder, maybe Bakayoko as as a a forward looking option and then Alonso as a guy who can go and link up, you know, I think Pedro's kind of played that role in a three midfield the last couple of matches when he's been in and I think Alonso could do that job too Um, I also think like in a scenario where you have a bunch of injuries and hazard and William or pedro or are, are out and we need someone to come in like he could easily play that attacking winger too you know i think <laughs> i actually would look forward to seeing him with a little bit more freedom to go and uh and make some stuff happen because you know dan in the final third he's lethal and i you know i'm not saying he's as lethal as hazard obviously but it, it would be interesting to see what he would do
1: he knows how to score and i think different from many of the players in our system currently some great ones like a Golokante and some who are struggling in form like a Bakayoko or a drinkwater. Um, he, he would score from outside the box wouldn't be afraid to, to take the shot and gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, specifically if we do go to like a, a two striker up top, if we look to bring in, um, uh, Hudson Adoy, uh, Leon Baye. Uh, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of different options we we potentially could be seeing next season. And it's not bad to have players on the pitch who are comfortable taking a shot, who know how to find the back of the goal, and also are great in free kick opportunities. Because you know what? When you have Ed Hazard on your team and he's drawing fouls from every single player on the pitch, and you wonder how many of the Southampton players, again, manage to make it a full 90 minutes, and you're going to get good opportunities in great spots. And it's nice to know when you kind of look at the 11 on the pitch. That you see, you know him and currently William there, and you know that they are likely to score anytime they step up to that ball in in a good position. So, you know, I, I think we're not preaching or saying that Alonzo is is not going to be an option for this team next season. I think just like. Everything he's ever done, he's going to have to fight for his spot and his position the same way he only got his first call up to the Spanish team, national team, just this season. And he only, you know, he won a a PFA player of the year, and and that's voted on by the players. So, you know, you might kind of be sitting at the armchair and being like, man, we could do so much better than Alonso. Uh, A, it's really hard to find great left wing backs or left backs or left wingers, whatever you want to kind of call him in his positional status. And I think secondly, um, the players see how valuable of a contributor he is. And I think that speaks a lot to what he does offer on the pitch. Nothing, nothing taking away from how good Palomari has been the past two games. But I think again, just like Marantz and Drew, the best thing that could happen is these two guys push each other to play at a higher level. And now whomever the next manager is, has a great and difficult decision between two players that are pushing each other to be their very best.
0: All right. Well, we've got plenty of time to figure that out. So stay tuned. We'll see how that develops. Um, so those are kind of the. Hey, hey, Brandon. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about the uh, the substitution? Yeah, that that's do where it. I was going. It. I was going to try to do a much more natural kind of transition on that one.
1: I, I know, but I mean, it's, uh, it's as abrupt as the substitution itself. And I feel like it probably is, uh, a talking point.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Think stylistically, it made sense. Good job, Dan.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it was an audible. I called it and uh, I feel pretty good about it.
0: So at iteddy four one one two um, at 1689Jedi, um, a, a lot of people actually just in general, um, want to know what was going on with the Williams substitution? Like why? Uh, why take off a player who looked to be in great form, uh, didn't look to be tired, uh, was having fun running at a Southampton back line today? And for whatever reason, Nick, just—I—I I, I, don't, I don't have a good explanation. I'm sure you maybe have some thoughts on it, but what do you think was the reason for Conte pulling off Willian, especially for Bakayoko? This was
2: odd uh, on a lot of levels, because you know, I think, like you said, I I think William didn't have a, a magical game like he's had, uh, you know, maybe against Barcelona in the first leg or uh, in, in the second half of the season. But he was playing well, and he was getting into really a, a good amount of dangerous space um, to uh, to start counterattacks. And I, you know, he had a, a free kick go close, and um, you know, certainly was, was a threat. So this was interesting. I, it tactically didn't make a ton of sense because I thought Fabregas was kind of a passenger again today. Um, had a few key passes, but overall it's just not, you know, the, the two midfields of Fabregas just doesn't work anymore. I'm tired of seeing it. So I would have subbed, uh, Fabregas off, um, and brought back Yoko on if that was going to be the play. Uh, However, I think what Antonio Conte was trying to do, Dan, was go with a three midfield to shore up um, our midfield. And that is all to be said, because Southampton in the second half were, were running through our midfield like it was uh, Swiss cheese. And so I think his thought was, if we bring on Bakayoko, we still keep our threat with Hazard and, and at the time Giroud. Uh, But we have a a more solid core that's not going to get blitzed um, on the counter. So that would be my only uh, thought process. You know, if you replace Fabregas, it doesn't really solve that problem. Uh, So anyway, that's just my my opinion.
1: Well, it also allowed Hazard to drift a little bit more forward versus kind of having to play maybe out centrally a little bit. I think what you saw for a lot of the first half is, you know, you're kind of playing that, Flat three, or you're seeing you know, Giroud kind of held up in the middle, and then Hazard and William are kind of pulling up the sides to try to pick up the ball. Uh, William was having a, you know, um, William and Hazard were kind of the way that Southampton were marking them, we're having to play a little bit more kind of di- uh, diagonally inward. And I would say the benefit of dropping one of our attacking players and putting in uh, Bakioko to get that three man midfield you talked about is you saw Hazard getting the ball and being able to do more with the ball. And I think if you're going to sacrifice one of the two attacking players, it it is going to be William. Um, I think you saw the way Hazard was playing. And if push comes to shove, it's not a coin flip between the two today. Hazard was absolutely lights out. He was, I think, very unlucky to not get a goal. And I think it gave us some of the solidity that we needed in midfield to continue to push the ball forward, and he, I think you saw less chances um, for Southampton to kind of push the ball back through and back down the field. Yeah, you did lose the, the counterattacking threat until Pedro came on, but Pedro was able to, you know, play more of a a midfield slash defender role comparatively to to William. I think and uh overall i mean yeah it was it was head scratching at the time but i think if we kind of look back on it and and say like look if you're gonna have to go to a midfield three to try to restore some stability to continue to push the ball forward to not allow southampton to work their way back into the game you're gonna have to sacrifice a attacking player and attacking player and you t- you know if your options are Giroud, hazard and William, I-, I mean i'm sorry William. And you're a great guy, and you've contributed a lot this season. And I know you wanted to actually make it to the Chelsea's lady, ladies' match, um, which is currently underway, but, I mean, ultimately, it, it worked out well. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the, the result is what matters. And, you know, Conte, as much as we've kind of given him some some stick for maybe not getting the lineup right or the substitutions right this season, uh, did it really well today. We got a tweet from at Lukish underscore, and he asked thoughts
0: on Conte's substitutions. First, Baka for William, a defensive sub, and then two offensive subs later. So that's kind of still confusing. Like, you know, he, yeah, he pulled William off, but then he added attackers later. And I'm, you know, yeah, one was like for like with the striker, um, but, you know, well, Pedro coming on as well. So it just, it's obviously a little confusing at times, I think for people, but you're not wrong, Dan, obviously, because you know, your opinions are yours, (laughs) but how frustrating is it that it's like, oh, hey, Hazard showed up today, we should let him play. Williams been way more consistent in 2018. And so I think he was visibly frustrated because he didn't stick around to watch the rest of the game.
1: Well, I, and and he is entitled to, to feel that way. I, I don't think anyone should be upset that William was frustrated getting pulled off the pitch. If you are, you know, playing for a club like Chelsea and you have signed on to play, you know, at the highest level of the 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 game, and are typically a starter in almost every match, to get pulled early it sucks. And you know, I would be more worried if he kind of took it. And just was okay with being subbed off. Uh, you know, I like the fact that there's a fire and a desire and a will to be on the pitch. And you know, we we need people on our team that want to play and want to impact the game. So Nick, I I, I don't mind that he was upset. Yeah, it sucks for him, and you know, but he'll 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 be back in the next game. Like I have no doubt that he's going to get a chance to play impactful minutes in the remaining mat- couple matches of the season.
2: I, I was just a little bummed. Bummed for the reaction, you know. It's it's the FA Cup semi final. I know that you know for you know in a in a one to one situation, he is upset with Antonio for pulling him, but he's still a teammate and he should be there for his teammates. Um, Being in the locker room and pouting, you know, to me is just not it's not a great look. Um, And you know uh, what I'm hoping is that he was had some sort of injury and had to go back and get treatment. Uh, That would be the the best case scenario in this whole thing, but you know, I, I had a bunch of coaches growing up who, you know, taught me the the value of, of sticking with your teammates in, in tough moments. And even if, even if, uh, you know, he was, you know, personally upset. I, I wish he would have stayed, uh, and, and watched the rest of the match from the bench and, and been a little bit more constructive. And I could be, I could be totally wrong with my opinion there. It's just, you know, I don't know. That's that's how I, I grew up, Brandon.
0: No, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think most people would probably say the same thing. Uh, my take is that I don't think, I think it'll annoy Conte more than the players. I think the players understand because they've all been in that situation. So I don't think any of the teammates will kind of hold that against them. I think it's more him making kind of a statement to Conte. But anyways, let us know what you guys think about that. Obviously, like I said, we got a ton of, Um, you know questions on the William thing happy to hear your guys's uh, opinions as well Uh, I don't think we need to jump right to William's leaving though that that might be a little extreme kind of based on what I've seen on social media yeah
2: but extreme is where we live you know that's how this show operates
0: yeah and here's here's the proof our man of the match poll right Dan
1: always at 11
0: (laughs) so yeah man of the match poll Dan show us how extreme you really are
1: well, we we you know it's it's good to be back. You know we haven't haven't run <laughs> one of these and talked about it on, on the show for a little bit. And you know you have uh, Daryl O'G, uh, Olivia Giroux, and you had mm-hmm. uh, the Belgian Boo or Beau uh, Hazard, and you had the Energizer Bunny and Golo Conte, and then uh, Marky Mark Hughes as uh, the four options today. And uh, no surprise, and has our runs away with it, 56% of the vote. Uh, obviously, we did this podcast a little early. There's still uh, many hours to vote. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think it's going to change too much, though. All right. Well,
0: before we get on to the social media questions, I do want to turn it over to Nick again, um, talking about our promo code on World Soccer Shop.
2: Correct. As I said earlier, there will be new merch coming out. Uh, New boots for for your summer league, check. World Cup kits, you know, the World Cup starts on June 14th, so start getting those, that's a check. Uh, The new Chelsea kits and all the new associated merches, you know, for for next season, that's another check. Uh, London Blue, or London Pod, sorry, is our code. Uh, 10% off site-wide, just apply it at the uh, the checkout process and could be used for some customization or... Uh, just to to help you out from the from the price standpoint. So do that. Code is London Pod
0: all one word. Awesome. Alright. Well to kick off our social media questions, we did have another Yappa. So let's go ahead and play that and then kick it off. Here we go.
1: Hi guys. We're from London. The Chelsea. Really good game again. Good goals. Anyway, about the final, what do you reckon about maybe playing Marat and Giroud front against United's really shoddy defense? Let me know, guys.
0: I love how Andrew didn't even pause his TV. He just said, we're doing this. No. Like, the the question is burning. I must ask. Um, but yeah, Nick, two strikers up top against United's shoddy backline. What do you think? Uh Yes. I, I'm all for it. Now, uh, I will say
2: that United have let in, I think, one or two goals in the entire FA Cup uh, competition so far. So, uh, in this competition specifically, they their defense has not been shoddy. Uh, and I think just looking back to the match that we played against them in February, uh, that it is really important uh, to, to have a physical presence against Smalling and Jones and Baye. Um, I have no doubt that Mourinho will try and mimic uh, the three-four-three or three-five-two, whatever we go with. So it's going to be really important that we have that. Uh, I would like to see. Um, I would like to see two strikers, and I want to see if we can uh, we can make a dent against them early and, and get them uh, questioning their own uh, abilities. So I think it's really important. It's a good shout, um, Dan. Thoughts?
1: Well. United have 17 clean sheets in the league this season. They have only conceded 26 goals. Um, you know, the, the the defense is probably, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, West Brom match aside recently has been pretty pretty stout across the, the season, which is, uh, you know, as we know and are intimately familiar with, is the hallmark of a Mourinho side. I think the benefit of playing two up top um, now Nick, are you saying that you would say Maratta and Giroux or are you saying Giroux and Hazard playing as a part of the top two? Uh, no, I know. I want, I want both of our strikers. I want Marata and Giroux. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's, it's a good call because you're, you're going to want Hazard to have some type of barrier between the, the hackathon that is most certainly going to endure for the 90 minutes of that match. And, um, you know, I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, someone gets sent off because they're, they're going in hard on the challenges. But uh, yeah, I think anything that you could do to help ensure Hazard can have his best game and play uh, a little less encumbered by the, <laughs> the knocks that I'm sure are being uh, planned for him to be taken uh, would be beneficial.
0: I think, so I watched the United versus Spurs match yesterday and Valencia and Young are where you want to attack this team. Um, Valencia could have been sent off. Um, You know, they're both pacing. What? I know, right? Weird. Uh, They both have really good pace, but they're not great defenders. You can get in behind them. Dele Alli and Sung both turned Valencia multiple times uh, and that's where they're having some success is, is on the wings out there. They don't really like to step out and challenge. So I think... That is really beneficial for Chelsea if we can get in those places and having the two people in the box uh, for service um, would be a great kind of setup to have now whether or not you know tactically that's how we set up and that's how we play that's a whole nother story because um, Chelsea haven't been real big on crossing it unless we're literally on the end line so uh, we'll see how that goes Um, next one we did have though was from At Durr underscore Lemke. Love this one. He says, Is this the wind that somehow propels us to fourth? Since I'm all emotional, I'm hashtag Conte in. (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: um, the the, the math is is still not good. Like the math has not improved on a week to week basis, only in the effect. That uh, Spurs and and Brighton drew, and, and that was a, a nice two two result. Or uh, no, sorry, uh, Liverpool uh, drew, and that was a nice two two result for them to drop some points. Um, I mean, the the likely target is to catch Spurs, right? And you know, we were having a conversation about this. I think on Friday as as a group, yeah. because I think we yep. were kind of trying to figure out what needs to happen through the remainder of the season to to try to make this work and. I mean, it's it's a lot of, of luck. I mean, here here's the reality: we need to win out, including a match against Liverpool and Mohamed Salah, who has absolutely been immense this season. Yeah, uh, and then Spurs need to either lose two, and you know, I think the likely candidates there would be Newcastle and Leicester, uh, potentially being able to step up, lose one and draw two. Um, since we can't reach the goal differential, or they have to draw three of their remaining four games. And so uh, that is also incumbent upon us to win out in our remaining matches. And outside of, you know, outside of the match against Liverpool, you would say that us playing Swansea, us playing Huddersfield, and us playing Newcastle, uh, you you should have a, a minimum of nine points, but you, you should be able to potentially collect anywhere between 10 to 12. And... The, the the problem is we we saved it to too late and uh, as much as Nick wanted to purchase a time machine and go back and alter the fabric of of time and space and the fourth dimension and change the Watford West Ham Bournemouth results uh, we're at where we at we're at today and we can't go back and make that happen
2: it uh, it just makes you angry at previous results it's it's too little too late we're not making Champions League I you know sorry to burst everyone's bubble I know we have some some decent results in the last couple of weeks that, you know, the, the the chase is back on. You know, I've seen that tweet every single day. It's, it is it is naive to think that we are going to be in Champions League. Um, I, as Spursy as Spurs are, I cannot see them losing to Newcastle or Leicester or even drawing, you know, the, their last three matches. I, I just think that is a pipe dream. So... What we do need to do is we do need to prepare for Europa League football, and uh, we deserve that. We were not very good in the second half of the season. I think we, you know, I think we're thirteenth since 2018 started uh, in the table, and it's not good enough. We don't deserve to be in fourth, and you got to move on and, and get better next year. But uh, you know, if it does happen, it will be amazing. But it it will only be because other teams deserved it less than we did. Not. Because we deserve a bit more.
0: Unbelievable is what that would be if we ended up in fourth. Um, one from at Jason White ninety six says, "I'd like to see Loftus Cheek partner Conte in the midfield next season. Do you think that would work?" He also says, "I think Hazard yes. should play bad for the rest of the season to keep Real Madrid away." <laughs> Laughing emoji face, fingers crossed. Dan uh, Loftus Cheek with Conte. I like that because. Uh, those are two box-to-box guys. You don't have like limited mobility with Drinkwater or no defensive ability at all with Fabregas. Uh, again, he's not standout in one of those areas, but he's dynamic in kind of all areas.
1: I, I love the idea of Lofficier getting a shot at the team. I think that the biggest thing that he still needs and we need from a midfielder in our team. Is someone who can contribute goals, and I think yeah, you know, yeah, it's been very hard uh, post Lampard to find someone who can contribute in that way, shape, or form. And I think we will most likely never find someone to do something like that again. Uh, I think you know, there's been shouts for like Mason Mount because he's been a way to contribute. Uh, Van Ginkel would be another interesting one who does contribute from a goal perspective and would add a little variety to our midfield. Um, so I think it's the only thing, Nick where I'm, I'm a touch concern because then you're, you're really, there's the onus is only on your goal scorers and, uh, you know, like your, your strikers and hazard to be the individual contributors. And you see what, has happened with Manchester City this season, where maybe four or five players are in you know double-digit goal totals uh, just in the league, not even in their competitions. And you understand that like we need to start scoring across all levels of our you know from our attackers, from our midfielders, and even our defenders to really compete next season uh, across all competitions.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, the more I look at this squad, the more I think. You know that our, our three back set has probably extended its welcome, um, beyond what what we needed to. I mean, I think that to me, anyway, I think a four three three is probably the way to get back to some sort of uh, genuine attacking football. Um, if you have a, a Ruben Loftus cheek or, or someone of that physical build and and skill set, uh, you could see a real opportunity. Um, to to create some havoc, and I, I think I think what your what your point was there, Dan, is is really important. Who has been the most stressed on this team uh, in in 18 I would argue that it's been um, Courtois, it's been Dave, it's been N'Golo Conte, and it's been Eden Hazard. Um, maybe William, if you want to throw him in for the second half of the season. We're relying so much on these guys to make magic happen. And what we need is a system that plays to everyone's strengths, and we need a, a more physical midfield, um, and that is uh, assured. So, uh, you would hope that Bakayoko could figure it out and get back to his Monaco form. You would hope that Ruben Loftus Cheek comes back from this uh, incredible loan he's had at Crystal Palace, and um, you know really shows up and tries to take Bakayoko's spot. You know, I've, I've, that's the whole thing is competition city have three players for every position it seems like so we need to get to
0: that point if we're going to be competitive all right well shout out to mike who's producing this and says we uh, need to invest heavily in horse placenta just to keep ruben Loftus <laughs> cheek healthy so
1: no no you just got to go that same place kobe went in germany that that's that's all we need to do just book a couple round trip flights throughout the entirety of the season we'll be good
0: yeah he alone will will advance in sports medicine with uh, the different types of injury <laughs> prevention methods that he needs um, okay. All right. Well, anyways, hey, thanks everyone for all those social media questions. Really appreciate it. Uh, loved the RLC kind of Conte uh, midfield, you know, discussion, especially because like as I've mentioned before, I think that is the one area that is completely ruined Chelsea season because we didn't get uh, the players we needed there. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be able to talk about that some more. Um, but anyways, we got Swansea City coming up. But real quick, uh, Dan, the man, Instagram plug here real quick.
1: So uh, exciting to announce that uh, you know we're going to have some current and former uh, Chelsea players like uh, and maybe like what? a and wow. potentially a wow and maybe even uh, who joined us when we were in London to talk about Chelsea and we're going to drop some of the announcement of that content first on Instagram. And uh, Brandon is telling me that he is going to bleep out the names of the people I mentioned. Um, but that's OK, because if you want to find out first about the special content we're releasing uh, right near the end of the season and right before the World Cup, you're going to want to follow us on Instagram at London Blue Pod. It'll be the first place we talk about it.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and just real quickly touch on the basics. Like we said, we have Swansea City coming up in the Premier League. It will be at the Liberty Stadium. So uh, another road trip Uh, this coming Saturday, April 28th. So the guys will get a full week off. Nick, as we were just talking about, Swansea getting smashed by City as they make their championship uh, almost official, at least in this sense. But Swansea, not a lot to play for.
2: Uh yeah just, they just they aren't very good Brandon um I think that's the the key uh, with our remaining opponents outside of Liverpool is you know just not not very good so uh, we have to go out and crush them crush them early uh, hopefully yeah this is the last uh, match of Alonso's suspension so we'll probably see Palmieri again uh we'll you know Victor Moses has been on a, a pretty good run of form in the last few matches so. You know, imagine we'll see him. Perhaps we see some back Yoko. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of up in the air. And it, it could be another, you know, opportunity to test out a two striker formation and to see, you know, maybe a, a hazard in that deeper lying playmaker role. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of possibility here. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, we need three points. That's whatever lineup, whatever element's going to work, whatever we could do to ensure that we give ourselves the – Longest of outside shots to secure top four, if still possible. Um, I mean, look, you know, Burnley are uh, 10, 10 points behind and only have three games left. So we are at least confirmed for European football in uh, places like Baku and other exciting uh, European, quote unquote, locations. So, <laughs> I, I mean, yes, there's still there's still a pride to play for and, and hopefully... That alone can uh, drive our, our manager and our players to push for the maximum result in every one of these remaining matches. Yeah, I guess I should clarify Swansea are in 17th they're
0: four points above the drop right now. Um, obviously, West Brom are down. You'd assume Stoke City are down and uh, Mark Hughes might take his second team down in one season. So he went from never having gotten <sighs> relegated to essentially relegating two teams in one season, which would be amazing. Um, it's
2: incredible. Stoke Sto- going Stoke going down is a major deal. I mean that that team is pretty talented, uh, especially if if you look at the bottom five. I think Stoke are probably the most talented team out of that bunch, and they have just been abject all season. So uh, it's it's incredible, and uh, you know can't get Zuma back um, from from that loan soon enough.
0: Yeah, maybe he'll bring his boy Chupa Moting with him because they're inseparable. Couple of bros. They are. All right, well, before we kick off, uh, anything else uh, that you guys want to touch on before we wrap this one up?
1: I think there's one last final thought, which is the only um, you know, sad point in the Chelsea Spear weekend, and that is that uh, Roy Bentley, another uh, Chelsea legend uh, gentleman, has uh, passed away. So it's not been a good month and a half here for, uh, former blues. And I, the, the nice narrative behind all of this, uh, even though he has passed away is, uh, we are the shed threw up a, another campaign to get the, you know, uh, kind of whole display put together. And John Terry reached out immediately to pay for the entire amount that they were asking. And I, I mean, you just, you just can't have a better, uh, individual to represent your team and to be a spiritual ambassador for uh, this club and everything he does other than john terry and uh, again class act uh really nice to see we are the shed putting together another uh quick turnaround on a tribute to uh, a former uh, chelsea player captain so you know sad but uh nice things to kind of see in that piece rest in
2: peace
0: roy bentley all right. Well, anyways, that's what we've got, Chelsea fans. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Obviously, we will, we will be back next week. Uh, it is, um, you know, it's nothing but three points. That's essentially the theme of the season at this point. So we'll just kind of keep on plugging on. If anything happens this week, we'll be sure to chat with you guys. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation
2: to stop. Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast presented by worldsoccershop.com.